This is your Wednesday Strip Sports Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. We got a lot to get to today. Exciting show. Talk in a little bit with Chris Hine, who covers the Timberwolves for the Star Tribune. But first, a little something I call "What did I miss?" And you missed a lot if you went to bed, you know, kind of a kind of at a regular time last night. You woke up probably to some good news. Nelson Cruz back with the Twins on a one-year, thirteen million dollar contract. Kind of a no-brainer on both sides. I think they were kind of waiting it out. Um, but you know, great news for the Twins. This is a guy who. You know, had their only two runs batted in in the postseason against Houston last year. Has had two incredible seasons, one of them obviously shorter than the other because of the COVID-shortened season last year. He will turn 41 in July, but, um, you know, the risk is minimal. As they, as, like, as they like to say in the business, there is no such thing as a bad one-year contract. This one worth $13 million, about what he was making for those first two years. And, you know, even though he does turn 41, baseball reference still thinks he's going to have a pretty good year. 34 homers, 89 RBIs, and OPS up close to 900. So good news for the Twins. Another big bat, the boomstick, back in the middle of that lineup. Wild loses again, maybe more importantly, loses another player for a while. 2-1 loss to Colorado. Jared Spurgeon with the dreaded upper body injury. Uh, he's going to test that depth that uh, Sarah McClellan and I talked about on Tuesday's podcast even more if he can't play Thursday and beyond. They're already missing Matt Dumba, Marcus Foligno in the COVID protocols, you know, Marcus Johansson. They do get Kevin Fiala back on Thursday, and we'll have more on that a little bit later in the show, too, as I welcome in a very special guest, uh, Chicken Fingers, to talk about that uh, that suspension and, uh, and and how angry Chicken Fingers is about that suspension uh, suspension to uh, to Fiala, but uh, you know some a, a death a depth test for sure for uh, for the Wild if Spurgeon is out for any length of time. Last thing I want to get to, and all of these are stories you can find on StarTribune.com and in the in the print product of the Star Tribune. Kayla McBride introduced officially as a new member of the Minnesota Lynx. Want to play a, a quote from her right now, just to uh, kind of show what uh, what she's thinking and why she decided to join the Lynx. Regardless of what anybody says in this rebuild or whatever, Sylvia Fowles on that team, the piece of Collier, Crystal Dangerfield was Rookie of the Year. Dantes, every there's so much talent on this team already. They were in the semis last year, just like us, fighting for their lives. And I think that in this league, that counts for so much more than just, you know, wins and losses. It's it's how you, you know, how you show up every day and how you compete every day. And that doesn't go unnoticed. And I think that as a competitor myself, that it was kind of a no-brainer to want to be a part of something like that. She should be part of a really exciting team this year. I hope everybody gets a chance to see that because I believe that will be the team that has a best chance to win another championship here in Minnesota in the near future. I'm Nyla Jean Myers, Senior Assistant Sports Editor at the Star Tribune. Thank you for listening to Strip Sports Daily Delivery. This work is made possible by our Star Tribune subscribers. For unlimited access to the articles mentioned in this podcast and our coverage of Minnesota sports from pros to preps, Go to startribune.com slash subscribe. All right. I am joined now by Chris Hine, who covers the Timberwolves for the Star Tribune. Uh, Up until about a week ago, I was our Timberwolves editor, but now I am devoting myself fully to this podcast and other writing duties. Um, So I don't get to see Chris as much. So I'm excited to see him today. Chris, how are you doing? 
I'm I'm good, Mike. I have to say, I, probably of of all the listeners to this podcast, I probably have the the most love hate relationship already with this podcast because it took you away from being the Timberwolves editor. <laughs> well, so I already I already I already kind of hate this podcast. Oh so man, I, I'm well, sorry to say it. You, I think a lot of people are already hate listening to the podcast. So <laughs> you, you join the club, get in line, yeah. Chris Hine. Um, no, uh, glad to have you on. I'm, we'll talk still a lot. Um, I'm going to have you on regularly to talk about the wolves. Cause mm-hmm. I can't stay away from them, even though they're five and 15. Um, you've, you've been on the beat for a few years now. Our history together on this beat goes back to about three days before Jimmy Butler demanded a trade, which was a lot of fun. Here we are, fast forward, you know, two and a half years. And like I said, this team is five and 15. Uh, Today, I want to spend a little time, you know, I I don't want to sugarcoat things, but I do want to maybe probe a little bit for some reasons for optimism while also acknowledging what has gone wrong in these 20 games. So let's start with probably the most interesting player on this roster, uh, Anthony Edwards, 19-year-old rookie, number one overall pick. Some of the other rookies in his class are putting up some pretty good numbers, but he's starting to kind of come along for the ride now too. What, what, if you're a Wolves fan and you're evaluating where Anthony Edwards is after 20 games and what his future might be, what, what are some things you, you would be pointing to as, as things you like? Yeah, I think uh, I think that evaluation has really changed in tone over the last week or so. I think yeah, starting with I think it was might have been game number two against Golden State uh, when they put that little series out there through now. Uh, he's looked like a different player on the floor. He's looked more in command of the game when he's on the floor. Uh, he's making better decisions, I think, whether it be to shoot, not to shoot better decisions around the rim, finishing better at the rim. Uh, he's been shooting threes better uh, over the last week. It, it, it's all been pointing towards a, a good direction for Edwards. And, you know, surprise, NBA rookies sometimes struggle, you know. Uh, their progress might not be a straight arrow upward. It might be bad nights here, good nights here, slow start, and then comes on as the season goes along, especially in, a, in an abnormal season when you don't have a summer league or a training camp to, to work out some issues. So I think uh, of everything that's happened with the Timberwolves over the last week, Edwards is the biggest reason for optimism because I think you could see what he looks like in the future and what maybe the team looks like around him and just the way he's able to, at 19 years old, take over a game in stretches. What, what do you attribute primarily to this you know better stretch for him for sure is it do you think his he's figuring it out have they figured out ways to make the game easier for them what what are you seeing in that regard we asked him that the other night and he just said and it's kind of a cliched answer that you hear a lot from young players but he just said the game is starting to slow down for him and it's true and that only comes with reps and actually playing games and getting out there it's it's hard to simulate that in a practice uh, just what you is actually asked of you in a in an NBA game, and so now he's had 20 games under his belt. That's a significant amount of time, you know. Knock on wood, he's been healthy, so he's been available for those games. Um, so yeah, with reps comes improvement, and I think that's what we're seeing right now, early in the season. Is he's getting used to it? His his mind is processing the game, um, you know, and that's translating to quicker decisions, uh, especially as it relates to distributing the ball. 
Um, he's learning the offense. You could see, I think, uh, the other night when they played Cleveland at Target Center, you could see him properly spacing the offense and, and getting open for threes. I think it's all it's it's all starting to come together for him uh, for the first quarter of the season here. I really like him when he's in attack mode, when they let him kind of handle the ball at the top and kind yeah. of play, make, and create. I feel like that's a part of his game I didn't quite realize was this far along. You know, you think of, you think of him as a shooting guard who had one year in college, um, you know, and, and obviously there's the unfortunate, you know, Andrew Wiggins comparisons where, you know, Wolves fans have, have had watched Wiggins play for six years. They, Wiggins certainly, at least early in his career, didn't really have much of a handle um mm-hmm. edwards has a handle he can he can distribute he can make passes and he can get his get himself uh not just a, a 17 footer but he can get himself to the basket and you know make make life hard on defenses yeah yeah 100 percent. he he his ball handling ability is is nba ready um the biggest thing with him when it comes to to going to the basket was his ability to finish at the rim and he he either wasn't getting calls as he famously complained a few weeks ago um or he was just missing but now he's not missing as much and he's, he's maybe getting a couple other calls um so i think some of those issues are are uh progressing to the mean as as time goes on here um i hate when people say regressing to the mean when they mean it to go in a positive direction it's not regressing if it's going in a positive direction are, are those anyway those are allowed, my little rant those are allowed <laughs> it's allowed to do that i didn't know it was allowed yeah, to do yeah. that <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Things are, things are allowed to go in a positive direction. Um, no, it's, it's, it's been impressive, uh, his ball handling ability though. And I think, uh, was that, that spin move? I don't know if he, if it was a Coro or, uh, or a Garland that, that was guarding him the other night, but that one spin move he had was just highlight worthy. It was, it was, it was beautiful. Yeah. And they, he's not the only one. I mean, he's the, he's the one that most of the eyes are on right now, obviously is the number one overall yeah. pick, but I, I think if, if you're also hunting for some signs of optimism, some of their other young players, including, you know, number 28 overall pick uh, Jaden McDaniels and, you know, a guy like Jared Vanderbilt's got extended run. Naz Reed's got an extended run. Um, even Jalen Noel seeing more minutes lately. Uh, you know, these guys are, they've been hit or miss, you know, everybody's going to be hit or miss, but there are, you can see some skill sets emerging in each of those guys. Um, that, that make you think, okay, keep progressing. You can see them being regular rotation contributors. I, w- I would say. Yeah. And that's where I think this feels this week feels a little, this week in Timberwolves misery feels a little different than, than previous weeks in Timberwolves misery, because I think over the last week you could see some of the progression with those guys, um, especially with the, the last few games, Jaden McDaniels has been the defensive standout. Um, and what do they need? They need defending at the four position. And here comes a here comes a 20-year-old rookie that's giving it to them right now. Um, so I think that's that's been helpful. Jared Vanderbilt, I think, adds that dimension as well that is sorely needed on this team, which is rebounding and a little bit of defensive acumen. Um, as Juancho Hernan Gomez comes back here from COVID protocols, I think the how that rotation plays out at the four spot, which is what I'm writing about for uh, Thursday's paper, um, or excuse me, uh, Wednesday's paper. What day is it? I don't even know. Yeah. Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, 
um, how that how that plays out at the four spot is is going to be one of the more intriguing things to watch here over the next few games. Um, and Jalen Noel is starting to gain some confidence. And I think when when the Wolves drafted him last year, you could look at his stats coming out of Washington, Pac-12 Player of the Year. Um, seemed like he could he could really light it up. And I think you're seeing him get some more confidence in his shot as well. Nas Reed. Uh, another guy who just keeps, uh, I think, generally ascending, but with Towns coming back, you know, his minutes are going to go down as he kind of gets relegated to the backup five role. Um, but I think with those young guys, maybe pushing some of these slightly older guys, you know, the, the Akogis, the Culvers, the Jake Layman's of the world and Wancho, you know, these guys are, are pushing at these guys' heels for playing time. Um, and when they've been given the opportunity they've been producing and Ryan Saunders said as much last night that, you know, these guys playing well puts everybody on notice. So we'll see how it plays out as, as they get some of these guys back here. I'm glad you mentioned towns. I mean, it's, it's a, that's kind of the, any, anytime you talk about a five and 15 start, you have to talk about towns has only played four games. Um, you know, both the, the wrist injury early and then being in COVID protocols for, you know, the better part of more than two weeks now. Um, that said, I, I don't think each and every one of their problems can only be attributed to him being gone. So where do you find that sweet spot between their last in the NBA in offensive efficiency and Carl Anthony Towns' absence explains a lot? Like how much of their problem does he solve immediately when he's back and kind of has his wind? A significant portion of it, but I don't think, you know, I don't think this team – magically transforms into a, a contender just because he's taking the floor on a regular basis. Now we have to, we don't have any real hard info on what this team looks like. Cause it's like you said, it's only been four games. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think what's, what's struck at the heart of, of disappointment this year was I don't think people expected them to lose or to win most of their games while Towns was out. But I think you've seen enough games now, 16 games um, where he hasn't played. And most of those games, it was hard to see anything that was going right. It was hard to see where progress was being made. Um, Hard to see a bright spot that gave you hope that when Towns comes back into this lineup, that it's suddenly going to be better. Um, And I think that's where the, the, the real depression sets in when you think about the Wolves this season was that it was hard to see where this team was getting better around towns. Um, the Cleveland games were a little better, but Cleveland's not exactly, you know, a, a, a high caliber opponent. They're, de- they're decent, but they're not great. Um, so I think, especially offensively, that, like you said, last in efficiency is definitely, definitely a, a, a warning sign for that things may not be completely right here. Um, and it's something that they're well aware of and that they, you know, are trying to fix. And we, you know, and like you said, we, we can't make too much of a judgment until he comes back and we see he and D'Angelo Russell at least play a bunch of games consecutively together, get into a rhythm. Um, but it, it does, I do still have questions about how, you know, how Russell in particular fits into all this because he seems like he wants to play sometimes differently than they want to play and, and not, not a detriment to him necessarily. That's, you know, that that's who he is. He's, he's become a very good player in this league, a certain way. Um, maybe that can leave you with that question. How do they kind of square 
that notion of, you know, what they want from Russell and how much more can he give them within the system that they want to play? I think you're going to see that play out when, when he and town start running the pick and roll together. Cause I think that is ultimately the, the dynamic that they brought Russell in here for. It's not necessarily to, to push the pace or get out of transition. And there is an element of that they want in the offense, but you know, most of your offense is going to come in half court sets. It's not going to come in transition. Um, and so having Russell and Towns operate that pick and roll with Malik Beasley waiting in the corner for an open three is kind of what they have envisioned for this for 30 plus minutes a night. Um, and it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to stop. We saw it in those first two games of the season, especially out in Utah, that that was a pretty effective way to, to run an NBA offense with the, around those guys. Um and so I think Towns being out there also frees up, you know, guys like Josh Okoge who, who might thrive cutting off of what Carl is able to generate. Um, maybe a guy like Jake Lehman um, as well, or maybe allows you to play a more defensive minded lineup like a Kogi or, or a Jared Vanderbilt um, when you have the offensive weapons that you do. So I think as it relates to Russell, I think that is the dynamic you're looking at is half court pick and roll him and Carl. How can they feed off of each other and create for, for their teammates out of, out of those sets. Good stuff, Chris, good catching up. Good talking about the wolves as always um, follow Chris uh, at Christopher Hine. Is that right? Yes. I thought yes. so. I, I, I at, just... at Chris, at Chris Hine was, was taken 12 years ago when I created a Twitter account. Wow. So I went with the, I went got... with the full version. Someone yeah. get, someone beat me to it. And yep. even earlier adopter. Wow. Okay. So at Christopher yep. Hine, yep. Uh, read all this stuff on Star Tribune, Star Tribune.com. Chris, mm-hmm. uh, thanks so much. And we'll, uh, we'll see how this, uh, how this looks uh, when, when hopefully Towns is back in the lineup soon. So definitely some positives to look for as you follow the rest of this Wolves season. Um, I should note, though, Carl Anthony Towns out for uh, Wednesday night's game at San Antonio. He is on the road trip, but um, not ready yet to return from COVID protocols. I would imagine they will see him back soon, but not on, uh, not on Wednesday night anyway. I have a special treat for everyone today, a little segment I call, Have You Ever Been More Angry? One of my longest standing internet friends was kind enough to join me. You might know him as Chicken Fingers on Twitter. Uh, Before an unfortunate Twitter misunderstanding about Eagles fans, you might have known him as Clarence Swamptown. You possibly listened to him on the Sportive podcast when... He is able to make it. With that lengthy introduction out of the way, we are here to discuss one thing, Chicken Fingers, Kevin Fiala's three-game boarding suspension, which will finally be lifted Thursday when the Wild plays again against Colorado. Chicken Fingers has done a fair amount of internet-based research and is here armed with facts, but before we get to that, I must ask, Chicken Fingers, have you ever been more angry? Oh, thank you. Michael, um, I know I've said it a lot in the past, but this time I'm serious. Uh, this time I have never been more angry. I'm being serious now. Okay, um, so why, why, what, what explains your particular anger at the Kevin Fiala three game uh, boarding suspension? Sure. Let's start there. 
Um, I think everybody looked at the three game suspension and kind of did the shrug a guy emoji thing. I am not one to simply take the league at face value. Whenever I see anything, I always try to scratch into it just a little bit to see, does it all hold water? Three games to me just didn't quite pass my sniff, my initial sniff test. Uh-huh. So I looked back at, at the list of suspensions. Now, again, I, I want to preface this by saying, I believe it, the hit deserved a suspension. Yeah. It was struck hit. me. Yeah, it, it certainly was. And, and, and especially in a season that only has, a, it's a 56 game season this year in the NHL, three games it, it isn't comparable to three games in the past, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's like four. It's like four or five in an eighty-two game season, is it not? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm not a. I'm not a mathematician. You are. I'm I could not. do it. I could do it quick on my calculator. But we'll go on. Go on. But, um. So it just struck me as too much. So I looked back at the last. I just looked at the last three years. I stopped there. You know, there's suspensions for, um, illegal hits to the head, elbowing, cross-checking. There's there's suspensions for spitting. There's suspensions for for hitting a ref. Um, you know, there's all kinds of different suspensions out there, but I just tried to focus on boarding. Um, so here are the numbers that I found for the last three seasons, last year, 2019, 2020 season. That was yeah. also a COVID shortened 68 games. I want to say is what it was. Um, the boarding suspensions were one game, two games and two games. Those were three, three, three different suspensions for boarding one, two, and two. Got it. Exactly. Season before, um, was a full 82 game season. Mm-hmm. There were, uh, Four boarding suspensions, all of which were one game. Wow. Mm. Season before that, 2017-2018, full 82-game season. Yes. There were one, two, three, seven boarding suspensions. Yes. They were two games, one game, one game, two, two. And then the last two were a three-game suspension and Mm -hmm. a four-game suspension. All right, let's dig a little deeper into those. The first one was Nazim Kadri. We saw him tonight at the time he was playing for Toronto. Now he plays for Colorado. Mm-hmm. At the time he had already been suspended, I believe three or four times before that. So they caught, he was a multiple offender is what they yeah. call him. That was the reason for his three game suspension. Uh, the four game suspension was for Tom Wilson, known multiple offender, four games for him because he's, he gets suspended about once a month, basically. Yeah. Kevin Fiala, um, Never been suspended previously. No, first time offender. And you look at the NHL videos that they post in the player uh, player safety. Yeah, I watched office, that one. And they give the explanation. It all sounds very professional. And all of the other videos, any boarding suspension is going to be pretty graphic. They all look about the same. Nothing about Fiala's stood out. The guy, you know, he he got his foot caught in with another with the guy's right skate. Um, it was unfortunate. Then he did the pushing motion which that's definitely, that's the reason why he got suspended. Yeah. End of the day, it looked like every other video for boarding. Uh, the only thing that the, the only differentiation was that it's a three game suspension. The rest that, of them are. That's interesting. And do you think, um, so the wild loses the first game at the suspension five, one. Okay. That's a game that, you know, you logically would say Fiala is going to miss that game at least. They managed to win the second game 4-3 without him in overtime against, again, Colorado. So you're thinking probably maximum at that point, that should be the end of his suspension if we're kind of going by history, at least, for a first-time offender at the very least. And then you get to the Tuesday night game. They lose 2-1. to 
do you think it would have been useful to have Kevin Fiala <laughs> in a two to one <laughs> loss to a division rival chicken figures? Your, your best offensive player may have been valuable. Now maybe Kaprizov someday will be their best. He's not quite there yet. He had a goal. Um, yeah. He did have their goal. Their one goal. He did have their, their goal. Um, but I, I think Kevin Fiala is still inarguable. He's still your best offensive weapon. Um, yeah, in a two-to-one game on a team that's desperate for any type of offense, um, I think, yeah, he would have provided some value. People can make up their own minds on whether they should be angry or they should just be shrug a guy emoji and, and not worry about it. <laughs> Awesome. Well, this is good stuff. I, I was entertained, but I also learned something and I hope everybody else did too. Chicken fingers. Appreciate it. We will do this again soon. Well, now it's time for the tables to turn a little bit, isn't it? It's you asking me a question, a little segment I call infrequently asked questions. Today, it comes from Lob Wedge Guy. Um, interesting thought here. He says, would it be bad for one of the men's teams in Minnesota to finally win a title in the near future. Kind of feels like the inability to do so is more important to the narrative than actually winning one, like a dog chasing a car, etc. Parentheses later in the tweet, I would prefer to win something for what it's worth. I, I kind of get this, but two things about it, uh, as they bother me is the wrong word, but that I, that I, that I got to take issue with a little bit. One... I don't like how we separate this into the to the men's and the women's pile because the Lynx won four championships in the last 10 years. Um, I know some people don't consider them the same way that they do some of the other teams in town uh, for, for whatever um, unfortunate reasons those might be. But, um, you know, the Lynx have won. So the, the, the championship drought, if you're counting major sports which i consider major sports being the top professional league in this uh, in this market where the players are at least able to make a living which the WNBA has uh, they have a way to go but they you you can make a living in the WNBA at the very least um they have won so this isn't a championship drought per se but yes it is a men's championship drought no team has won a men's championship in almost 30 years now since the uh since the Twins won one in 1991. Do I think that's part of the narrative that people would suffer in some way if uh, if the Twins suddenly were able to win? I, Twins or Vikings or, you know, Wolves Wild, I don't think so. I do think they went through this a little bit in Boston, you know, when there was the big Red Sox drought from 1918 until 2004, and then they finally won. The Red Sox fans were like, well, now what do we do? Well, you know what you do? You keep winning. You want to win more. You, you don't stop wanting to win championships just because you won one. I think it'd be good for the collective psyche of everybody here to win another championship, regardless of whether it's uh, a leather links title or if it's a men's championship this time around. We're going to end the day with the cooler. We started the day with the twin story. We're going to finish the day with the twin story. This one far more important than Nelson Cruz even signing a one-year contract. This um, report from the Orange County Register, new Twins shortstop Andrelton Simmons went through a real hard time in 2020. Um, mental and emotional struggle um, amid the coronavirus pandemic to the point that he was um, thinking about suicide. Uh, you know, so so serious. Uh, I'm so glad that he opened up to 
that newspaper um, you know, did not make mention of this in his introductory news conference with the Twins a couple of days ago, but was able to finally tell his story now um, and, you know, said, you know, the thought of going into the bubble last year, remember how the, the teams were going to go into a bubble in the last week of the season? He couldn't do it, so he opted out of that part of it. He was, the, the pandemic took such a toll on him, and I'm sure so many other people, athletes included, um, but um, he, he was able to, you know, find his voice and tell his story, a quote from that story, now seeing how more and more people are struggling with depression, anxiety, and suicide, I felt it might be time to share a little piece of my story. I was afraid of people judging and people twisting my story. Let's make sure we do not do that, that we understand how important this story is, how this is becoming part of a larger trend of athletes sharing similar stories, and I sincerely hope this helps Simmons just as much as it helps everybody else who will read it. That'll do it for today. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, subscribe to this podcast, subscribe to the Star Tribune, startribune.com, and we will see you again Thursday. 